Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. Yep, you got it. That equals the big 5-0. Three mamas, three wives, three entrepreneurs who happen to be friends learning the ropes of being 50. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics and experienced guests, we invite you to be a part of aha moments of learning, inspiration, and of course, lots of fun. We're excited to do what girlfriends do best, chat from the heart. Hey, I'm Lori. I'm Shannon. And I'm Lisa. Let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome to She's a 10. And hello, ladies. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> uh, okay, today's topic, you guys, we have had so many requests for this topic, and I am really looking forward to getting into the nitty gritty. Uh, Hillary Loretta, if you're listening, this one's for you, babe. She's only asked me like 10 times for this specific topic. Yeah. No, this this actually is a topic that we could go on for days and, and really just have multiple episodes on. But today we're going to talk about, you know, listen, we're all reaching that middle age and we have some symptoms, right? We've got hot flashes. We've got, uh, you name it, moody, um, can't sleep. It just goes on and on. But the thing is, it's a huge topic for all ages. But where do we even fall on that spectrum? A lot of us don't even know the difference between are we in perimenopause or are we in menopause and we get that confused or we only know what our moms have told us or what we saw our moms go through. And let's face it, that's been a long time ago. So we have a lot to learn and I think a lot to educate. So Lori, do you want to tell us about our guest? I would love to. We have an amazing guest today and she's a kick. So you're going to love her. Today we have acclaimed OBGYN author and speaker, Dr. Diana Hoppy. Welcome. Welcome. And so so she is the founder of Amazing Over 40, which is a community driven by education, information, inspiration, and entertainment. Those are a lot of long words right there. Yeah. Uh, for women who wish to thrive throughout their transition years. Yes. Much like us. And not only that, and I have it sitting here in front of me, she is the author of a fantastic book, Healthy Sex Drive, Healthy You what your libido reveals about your life. And with that, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for letting me be here. It's awesome. Okay, where do we start? I know. Okay, so, I mean, would you agree that, like, this transitioning time of life, we're all under that big umbrella of the change? And what would you call that? And where Besides yeah. a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me first go back just like about the Amazing yeah. Over 40 site. That's a website that's to be amazing over 40, 50, 60, and beyond. So it's like to be whatever age you are, you can live the best life and be phenomenal and really be amazing. So that was the real goal of, of having that site. And I write blogs every week and really a lot of education on that site. But it's, it's tough because there are a lot of words that go to this, quote, transition phase, and there can be a lot of different words we can use that are slang, but we're not going to say. But bottom line is but perimenopause are the years before menopause, and menopause just means the time when you stop having your period for over one year. So that's okay. just a definition. So menopause is defined as 12 months without having a menstrual cycle. And that's, I th that's all it is. I think that's key because I think we use that term so generally that most people think all the symptoms mean you're in menopause. Well, when really, exactly. that's I use after. that term anytime I'm in a bad mood. 
It's not my fault. It's menopause. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't use it different ways. <laughs> but but the years before menopause, like the two to eight years prior to that, are called perimenopause. Okay. And you can have the symptoms like you were talking about, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, irritability, want to kill your husband. You know, all yeah. those things that can happen because you're just kind of frustrated, not sleeping. You're just not feeling good. Libido can be decreased. Yes. So it's a pretty complex topic. And we did not get... A a lot of education from our mothers and there's a lot of confusion and that's the reason I made literally the amazing over 40 site because I wanted women to have a resource to go to and get accurate information because there's so much misinformation out there about hormones the pros and cons what are the um, reasons you may or may not want to be on them and and I think that women are searching for a place where they can have community, they can connect, yes. they can feel like they're not alone. Because a lot, you guys are great because you've got these three wonderful women in your trio that you're like fantastic. But there's some women who don't know what's going on and what what's happening to their bodies. Their husbands may can be confused too. So it's a pretty complex topic. So I'm just so happy to be able to try to make it more clear for everybody. And I hope I hope I can. <laughs> oh, I, I think you will. Absolutely. So kind of walk us through that. Like yeah. you start to have some of these symptoms. What do you recommend you start with? Yeah. So let's first go into perimenopause. So we know we have like when we start having our cycles or like say menarche, when we first start having our periods when we're 12, 13. And the periods can be a little irregular, and then they get more regular, and then you get into your 20s, and then you get to your 30s, and then normally in the 40s is when your cycles can start getting more irregular. That means you can skip one, you can have two in a month, you're just bleeding, gets a little more erratic, and that's the first sign of perimenopause, when the cycles, your menstrual cycles are getting less Regular, not 28 days like they were before for some women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call it like a crime scene. A crime scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because you might skip a cycle. <laughs> yeah. It's like two, two, days of, two days of a crime scene and then I don't have my period for, you know. Yeah. Where's CSI when you need it? Exactly. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so um, the periods can be really heavy, like you just mentioned, and then they can get irregular. Then what can happen is because the hormonal changes are happening. So the each month when you're having those 28-day cycles, the estrogen will peak at mid-cycle. And that's when the testosterone also peaks, like day 14. That's ovulation phase, okay? And then after that, the ovary starts making progesterone. So that's what's happening every month when you're having a cycle. With the lining of the uterus, so the endometrium, that's also working with the ovary to basically just make you get pregnant. It's all Mother Nature saying, let's get to ovulate at day 14, let's get the testosterone up, let's increase the libido, have sex, get pregnant, have that little sperm meet the egg in the fallopian (laughs) tube, and then go into the uterus seven days after that and implant. And the lining of the uterus needs to be ready for that to happen. And then when the pregnancy does not happen, the signal to the ovary basically says pregnancy did not occur, the hormones drop, the the lining sheds. And that's what happens pretty much every month. Perimenopause, it's not that synchronous. The ovaries are not being that perfect in getting ovulation done and then making the progesterone. So cycles are irregular. You can start having night sweats, vaginal dryness, irritability because you're not sleeping well, brain fog. Oh, yeah. Big one. Because you're not sleeping. (laughs) You're not getting good restful sleep. The REM sleep is interrupted. And then you have obligations that are on your plate 24-7. Then you add stress to the equation, and it just becomes like a, like you said, a shit show, literally. Right. And so that's when you need someone on your side that can help you going through this transition. So in perimenopause, we can do things to help with symptoms. 
your labs may still show that you're fine, like in range. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you might still show thyroid's normal, your FSH and your estradiol and all that. But you could be having a lot of symptoms that can be treated with different things, lifestyle, some potential herbal remedies, sometimes just a little progesterone cream can help because we're not making as much progesterone during this time. It's We call it kind of estrogen dominant. But if we give a little progesterone, that can make things so much better, decrease that irritability, get you to sleep better, be happier, less crabby. So that's we, a, we like a, that. a cream that... Mm-hmm. It's a project. You can do cream. You can do oral. You can do different ways. It just depends on what Where do you the put the is. cream? <laughs> <laughs> just, you may be thinking of different places yeah. than I'm thinking. Um, but basically, you could put it on your forearm. You don't oh, need gotcha. to put it anywhere yeah. that's near the genital So area. instead of Joe Malone, we just put on a little cream to the wrist. So yeah. Yes. We're all good. Yeah. 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 So And yeah. then you see someone in the compounding pharmacy makes the cream. So you find a physician that works with a compounding gotcha. pharmacy. But there are also oral progesterones that like CVS makes or, you know, basically bioidentical hormones that can be made. And then we just basically just see how you do during that time. And then your periods start becoming more irregular and the point where you just stop. Mm -hmm. Some women can be every month and then they just stop. Mm -hmm. That's not the root, the norm. But Mm -hmm. the norm is missing a few cycles, skipping two in a month, not having for a month or two. Then potentially just stopping. Stop. And you're yeah. going to know because things are going to get kind of erratic. And then when you have 12 months without having any of those periods, that's menopause. And that's just a definition. It really, yeah. People use these words all over the place, postmenopause, menopausal, premenopause. So that's why I'm trying to just make it a little clear that menopause is just defined as 12 months without having a period. The average age in the United States for women is about 51, 50 to 51. Some women can start having perimenopausal symptoms in their early 40s, like 40, 41, 42. But normally it's about two to eight years before the onset of menopause. And then those symptoms can have the hot flashes, the night sweats. They can go on for a few years, two to five years. Yes. And for some women... They can have hot flashes the rest of their lives, about oh, 10 to no. 15%. That doesn't mean we can't do anything <laughs> right. to help those women. Yes. Does. There's lots of things we can do to help. So, so okay. not to worry about that. Okay. So, that. Dr. Hobby, I have a question for you. Would you say that... Go. Oh, we're just giggling. No, we were giggling. We're just, just happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would you say that most women should be on progesterone cream? It's very individual. So that's where we have to like figure out what are the goals? What are your symptoms? Because some women may react negatively to progesterone. Cream. Okay. Some women might get depressed. Some might get too groggy. It's Some women just don't tolerate it. That's not the majority. But there are some women that I try progesterone cream or try progesterone, and they just don't feel good. There's others that say, can I just bathe in this progesterone cream? Because this is helping me so much. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have to find what's the right. There's different concentrations of the cream. There's different ways we can give uh, progesterone, Mm -hmm. either orally, uh, transdermally, which is through the cream. So it's really to find someone that you can connect with as a physician or provider that understands hormones and then can figure out what are our goals and then get you there. Because if it were just a cookie cutter thing that we said, oh, everyone gets X, Y, Z and you're done, yeah. everyone would be on the same thing. And that's not, we're not step for wives. No. You know, yes. We are all different individuals and everyone is unique in their own way. Yep. Okay. I, I think that's a good place to kind of, I mean, hormones in general are a huge topic. And we we did put this out to a lot of our friends and what would you like to know? And we got everything from um, how do I know, you know, bioidenticals versus traditional routes of hormone therapy. Just in the bioidenticals, it's like you've got combinations with the progesterone, testosterone and estrogen. How do you know? So I guess 
it all depends on what you your numbers are and what you talk to your doctor about. Well, it's like what your symptoms are. Yes. So like testosterone is an interesting hormone because we do know that women make testosterone. But in menopause, when the ovary stops making the estrogen and the progesterone, it also stops making as much testosterone. But the adrenal gland still makes some testosterone. So that's why when you have uh, menopausal women, sometimes you might see like hair growth on the chin and the upper Mm -hmm. lip because they're not making estrogen. They're making more testosterone relative to what they previously had. That's what that is. You know, you get that one little (laughs) stubborn hair on your chin. (laughs) One? (laughs) So in some women, I give progesterone post-menopause for them for their libido. Some women get very aggressive with testosterone. Mm. And there's also some women that love the pellets, which are things that go into the oh. trans um, underneath the skin, basically. And once you get the pellet in, you, get, can't, you can't take it out. So if someone wants some testosterone, I always try first through the transdermal or through the skin because I would not go straight to a pellet or an injection because then you get the testosterone in your system and you might go crazy wild and that's not always a good thing. Oh, right? that's yeah. a good, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, and can I ask a follow-up question? Mm -hmm. What would be the normal amount of time someone should give something a try before they feel like, because I I had someone say to me, I've been on this, actually it was a pellet, for a month and uh, my numbers are going up. However, I don't feel any different. I don't feel like it's getting better. So what's a general amount of time before someone knows that this particular therapy is working or not working? That's that's a great question because it depends on what kind of therapy we're talking about. Is Mm -hmm. it oral? Is it transdermal? Mm -hmm. Is it? through a pellet. So in general, for someone who's coming in that I give, let's say say an oral, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's say a combination of estrogen and progesterone. Normally within the first three to four weeks, we should know how they're responding. They should see hopefully a decrease in their hot flashes, improvement in sleep, a little improvement in like brain fog, the irritability aspect. And the vaginal tissues, that takes a little longer for it Mm-hmm. To, to kind of take effect. So it might be like six weeks. Mm-hmm. But definitely with a pellet, when someone gets a pellet in, that's a huge surge in hormone activity. So they're going to feel it within the first maybe 24 to 48 hours. Okay. So it depends on, again, that's a great question because that's where you can also talk to your doctor and say, you know, I want something that's going to be, you know, working this this amount and I want to sleep. Like my main, like when I have a patient come in, I say, what's your main symptom? What's your main focus? So that I can kind of say, okay, is it night sweats? Mm -hmm. Is it hot flashes during the daytime? Is it vaginal dryness? Because if they're not having, let's say a woman's not having hot flashes and night sweats, just just only vaginal dryness, there are things we can do just for vaginal dryness that are not what we call systemic. It doesn't right. go the whole body. It yeah. can just be vaginally localized that's for the vaginal tissue. And there's a lot of things out there now. that So if you're in pain, ladies who are listening out there, if you're having any pain with intercourse because of dryness, make sure you go to Amazing Over 40 site. Check out the blogs about when sex hurts. It's uh, from ouch to o. Oh. That's a great <laughs> and it's ouch to oh. Oh. So okay. it's really good. And, and make sure you talk to your doctor. There's no reason why you should be having pain with regard to that. That's excellent. What causes a hot flash? It's a great question. It has to do with the decrease or the really it's the change in hormone levels. Um, so let me go to a night sweat because that might be easier to understand. And then because I don't get, I, I do get night sweats. But I do not get hot flashes. All right. But I have friends that get it, and right. it and it comes on quick exactly. and fast. So it has to do with fluctuation in hormone levels, specifically the estrogen. So let's go with a night sweat. A night sweat is basically a hot flash at night. Exact okay. same thing. So you're sleeping and 
you have a thermoregulatory center in the hypothalamus, which is a part of your brain, okay? And that's where it's very sensitive to the drop in fluctuations in hormones, okay? So you're sleeping and your hypothalamus sees that there's a drop in estrogen. And so what it says is we are hot. It gets a signal saying we are too hot. We need to release this heat, okay? So your body will basically vasodilate. So it's kind of like when you sweat, you let go of heat. Mm-hmm. So, And also adrenaline is released at the same time. So your hypothalamus is telling your pituitary, which are all in the brain, we need, something's going on, let's react. So they can release adrenaline, which is epinephrine, same thing. Um, and your body senses that it's too much heat. Mm-hmm. So you basically will then sweat. That will then almost makes you shiver sometimes because some women at night, they will be drenched, right? They also might have palpitations. That's from the adrenaline that was just released. So some women can get really hot, then they get cold because Mm -hmm. they release so much of the heat. And some women are more sensitive to this thermoregulatory zone than others. So some women will go through, let's say, menopause or perimenopause. I didn't have a symptom. I was fine. Nothing bugged me. And there's other women who are very sensitive to those hormonal fluctuations. And they are the ones that can't sleep at night. I'm waking up at two in the morning, three in the morning. I can't fall back asleep. Then I can't think in the morning because I didn't get good sleep. And then it's a yeah. it's like a cascade of yeah. days of no sleep. And then you wonder why you don't feel all that great and you're kind of crabby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a definitely a compound effect. So the options, it sounds like basically go to your doctor, make sure you're working with your doctor. And then are there some natural things that you have women do when you start having these perimenopausal moments? Are there things that you recommend just lifestyle wise that can yeah. help? So first off, when you say talk to your doctor, make sure your doctor is listening to you Mm -hmm. and you're going to a doctor that actually knows what is hormone therapy, knows what is perimenopause, because there can be some doctors who may not want to even go that direction because it's too much time. It takes takes a lot of time to talk about the pros and cons of hormone therapy and and what are the different ways you can give hormone therapy and then what's going to be the best for you. So it's, it's a of discussion. And so you want to make sure you have someone who does not dismiss your symptoms and says, well, just deal with it. Because I had a lot of women come to me and say, my last doctor told me I have to just deal with it, have a glass of wine and just be quiet. You know, oh. like, you know not be quiet, but just have a glass of wine. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's that part of makes life. it worse. It's like, yeah. It, yeah it's, it's like, well, you know what, Dr. Hobby, that, that those are the assholes that have, when you lay down to get your exam, have the picture of a beach and like think, think you're on Maui or something. And Is I'm that, like, but don't you feel that when you get a, pep, a speculum put in your vagina? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm in Maui. <laughs> like you so oh, don't get it. Isn't that so relaxing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear the waves kind of blowing so on, the, yes. on the shore, and you're like, yeah, right. When the spec comes going in, that's what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah, completely not not on the same page. But um, back to what we were saying, I got a little bit off on that Hawaii. Yeah, yeah thank you. We did Tahiti there for a while. Well, um, can I just ask, when you say, I mean, I think that's really key, because a lot of times women go to the same doctor that maybe delivered their baby, and they're still in delivering baby mode and not in aging women mode. And so I think that's important. Uh, yeah. And also as a patient, you don't want to necessarily want to hear babies crying or little kids right. in the room and, you know, and you're doing appointments being late because they had to go to delivery. And that's right. just OB. OB is just very unpredictable. And they, I mean, I did ba- babies for so many years and it was wonderful. But when I, now my patients come to the office, they are so happy. It's calm. 
it's quiet. Mm-hmm. We do have some nice music, like spa music and stuff. And then we have little diffusers so that we can get calm. And it's more relaxing versus, oh, my God, you know, I got to go with my GYN exam. And I hear babies and women crying and you got to wait yes. two hours. So we want it to be really calm and soothing and, and reassuring, right? Because the last thing you want is to get nervous before you even go into your exam. And then and just find a doctor that's really going to listen to you. And that's yeah. where I think this, like you had mentioned that, yeah. Lisa, that... um someone who really likes doing hormone therapy because there's yeah. some people that that's just not their thing. They deliver babies. They love doing that. They like doing basic well woman checks, which is pap smears and stuff, which is great. And I love doing that too. But I really love helping women with the hormones because it's like you can see them come in and they're just so unhappy. They're just Yeah, you can grasping. change their life. Yeah. You're grasping yeah. for straws. They're like, please, please help me. And it's funny because the receptionist will say, God, she really wasn't very friendly. I said, just give it a month. Yeah. Okay. Give it a month. <laughs> give her we're going to make things change. Yeah. We're going to give her some estrogen, some progesterone. Yeah. And then the time then they come, oh, my God, this is the best thing that ever happened. Now, sometimes <laughs> it takes a little more than a month. But, yeah. you know, I always give someone saying, if this doesn't work, we'll try something else. Right. So don't fret that it has to be the one time it has to happen. We will find a way to make it work for you. Yeah. Yes. So finding an expert. Yeah. And and also following up because maybe um maybe whatever cocktail, if you will, or or plan or whatever it is that you put together and you try, you might have to tweak it a little bit. So you just exactly keep working right. at exactly it. Exactly right. And then as for perimenopause, you're making still some hormones. Okay. Yeah. And that comes menopause and you're really making far less hormones. So we have to change that kind of little secret sauce formulation that we have. And we need to make it to what works for you at that time. So when I have women come in, I will see them at maybe one month, two months. And then I say, if you're doing fine, I'll see you back for the yearly exam. But if you need anything in the meantime, obviously let me know. And then each year we talk about, again, what are the pros and cons of hormone therapy? What are the things that they might have symptoms that we might need to treat? Because now Things have changed in that year or two years or three years. So it's it's a very dynamic process too. Mm-hmm. So having a good relationship with your doctor and they most patients tell me pretty much anything, everything that's going on because I ask more in-depth questions than most doctors do. And I also have them fill out this wheel of life, which is um, you're looking at your life with regard to how are things financially? How are things with your health? How are things with your stress level, family, friends? And then I have a physical wheel of life. How much are you sleeping? Your water intake? Um, what's your stress level? What's your? Are you taking any supplements? So it gets much more in-depth about things. And then also, how's your relationship? Are you even having sex? It might be that they're like, no, because my husband has erectile dysfunction or he has just had heart surgery or prostate surgery or whatever it is. And then... You know, each year we can address that question because it might be that now it might be a time that they want to regroup. And then I'm saying, okay, he got his Viagra, but your vaginal tissues are completely not ready and it hurts and you're bleeding. No one wants to have sex when it's like that. And that's when we can talk about the vaginal therapies that are out there. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Any other things on hormone, (laughs) hormone therapy that we have not touched on that you think... I know we did have a question. Someone said, what is like the latest, greatest, or what is the, what, what's cutting edge or what is, do you see on the horizon where there are three was? Um, yeah, I think that they're looking at different aspects of hot flashes. So they're looking at certain things in the hypothalamus and the, in the brain, and you, there might be some new drugs that are going to 
actually target those receptors in the brain. I'm not going to get into it because no, it's way too no, complicated, no. but yeah. there, there are some things out in the horizon that will help with hot flashes and night sweats. Good. Okay. But when we look at where estrogen receptors and progesterone receptors are, they're in your whole body. And this is the great thing that you brought up with this, Lisa, is that we're not supposed to live this long. Okay. And so that's why when people say, well, hormones aren't natural, you know, you're putting things in your body. Well, we're not supposed to live past 50. Okay. Before the 1900s, we would not live past like 50, maybe 60 max. Now, 2021, you can believe that. We're now living to 82, 84, which is the average age that a white American woman will live until. So if menopause occurs at 51 and we're living to 84, we have 33 years of living in menopause. And how are you going to make that up? How are you going to live that time? And Mm -hmm. what's your choices and what's your quality of life? So that's where this all is, again, like it's kind of like an art and a science. And it's really, it's fun because everyone's different and it's challenging. So that's why I do what I do. Well, let's talk the emotional side. Yeah, before we do that, I wanted to mention about bioidentical versus other things. So there are hormones made by pharmaceutical companies that are bioidentical. Bioidentical means the same molecule that your body makes. That's what it means. That's excellent. So bioidentical okay. means if I took estradiol, let's say from your, your blood, Lori, and then I'm going to make that same molecule and put it into a cream, that's bioidentical. Now there's bioidentical estrogen that's um, in a pill form, like estrace, that's, that you can get at CVS. You can get progesterone bioidentical. They have patches. They have um, gels, which is bioidentical estradiol. And I always give natural progesterone, not synthetic progesterone, because that's the Women's Health Initiative is a whole nother lecture that we could not lecture. Talk that's fun. Yeah, we can talk <laughs> because it's really interesting about how to really understand that study. And so that's where the pros and cons of hormone therapy and talking to someone. But bioidentical just means the same hormone that your body makes. Excellent. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's any safer than some of the other drugs that. Uh, pharmaceutical drugs that are out there. But that's where you have a discussion with your doctor and figure out what's going to be the best route, what's the best dose. And um, so bioidentical, I try to use bioidentical all the time because I really want natural progesterone. I try to avoid synthetic because that's where in the Women's Health Initiative showed an increased risk of breast cancer. Got it. I was wondering about that. So it is the bioidentical is more natural. Well, if you think horse's urine is natural, some people might say Premarin is natural. So Premarin is pregnant mare's urine, and that's what they use in the Women's Health Initiative. And they use pregnant mare's urine with Provera, which is synthetic progestin. So they were using an oral estrogen with an oral estrogen with a synthetic progestin. And basically what happened is that the combination hormone group with the the Premarin and the the Prempro, which is Provera, that group had increased risk of breast cancer. The Premarin-only group did not have an increased risk of breast cancer. And that's something that a lot of women don't know. Mm-hmm. So they say, well, doesn't estrogen cause breast cancer? Yeah. The answer is no. Okay. There's things that, this gets really complicated, so I don't want to get too down to no, the yeah, rabbit yeah. hole on this yeah. one. But that's where talking to a doctor and really getting information and check out the Amazing Over 40 site, because that's where okay. we really can help you navigate. Do you want hormones? Do you not want hormones? What are our goals? 
and things like that. That, that site has a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Excited no, to check uh, it out. I've been working on this site for years because it's my been my passion. And actually, I got diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018, oh. stage one breast cancer, um, because I think it's stress-related. So people think, stress can't cause cancer. Well, hello. Oh, yes. That's another topic, how stress can cause cancer. Okay, I've got a list. I'm going to But the, the bottom line is that um, the hormones, I had to actually stay on my hormone therapy because Without it, I couldn't think. My brain fog was so bad. So my surgeon said, you have to stop your hormones. I said, if I stop my hormones, I basically couldn't add numbers. I couldn't think. I could not have a discussion like this with you ladies here. So I had, for my own choice, had to decide what's best for me. Mm -hmm. And it's always an individual decision. So yes, absolutely. I do so much better with hormones. If I don't have it, my brain literally can't function. <laughs> That's my problem, ladies. Well, I need I hormones. We're, we're hormones. We yes. all may need a consultation. Yes. Okay. So we were going to go on to yeah the, the emotional swings, mood swings, and how the lack of sleep plays into that. I mean, maybe we've already covered a lot of, of it. Yeah, but it definitely the lack of sleep. The, the potential brain fog that's also associated with it. You just don't feel sharp. You just don't feel like yourself. Things just don't feel right. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what women say. They just don't feel like themselves. They just, yes. Something's not right. And we don't need a lot. This is a good point. We don't need a lot of hormones to achieve this. It could be just a little bit of some estrogen and some progesterone, maybe some testosterone. So if you look at like the menstrual cycle, like I mentioned, and, and how high that estradiol level goes mid-cycle, it goes like the three, 400 picograms. When we're giving a little bit of estrogen that's through the patch or the cream, it's like maybe 40, 50, 60 picograms. It's not a huge amount of hormone. And some women don't even need that high of a dose. So it's, we're talking like a little bit can go a long way. And some women think that they're getting the same thing they were having when they were having their cycles and it's completely different levels that we're achieving. Do, do you find that some people that are in this phase confuse depression, anxiety with what's actually physiologically happening to them with their hormones? That's a, an a excellent question because... In perimenopause, the years before menopause, you can have a lot of emotional swings and depression because of the fluctuating hormones. And so when I have someone coming in like that, I kind of ask, is it during certain parts of the month? Is it every day of the month? And I have them kind of journal. I give like a... I give actually a symptom tracker sheet where they can track their symptoms and we can kind of see, is this something that is fluctuating with the hormones of the cycle, although they can be erratic, or is this everyday depression? And have they had depression before? Because in perimenopause, it's a really good point, is that depression can come back for many women because of the hormonal changes that happen. So finding again a doctor, and some women need hormone therapy plus maybe an antidepressant. You know, but what I see is a lot of doctors just go right to the antidepressant and not really treat the root cause of what's happening when just potentially hormone therapy can really help with the depression because estrogen helps with serotonin levels and progesterone will help with sleep. So same with estrogen. So sometimes you can figure out the root of the problem and then figure out which is the best based on those symptoms. And do you do anything with your clients or patients, I should say, around like nutrition and that kind of thing? Do you want to talk about that Absolutely. a little bit? So I'm a much more what we call holistic kind of way I look at it. So I want to make sure my patients are drinking enough water. Mm-hmm. If you're dehydrated, you're going to get headaches, you're going to feel tired. I make sure that they take supplements like certain ones like vitamin D is really important. B complex, also really important. Um, sometimes a probiotic is needed also. 
And that's also on my site that I kind of say what are the recommendations for what every woman should be on. And um, sleep. Are they getting good sleep? Sleep is huge. And I know we've talked a lot about sleep here, but yeah. having sleep hygiene also, making sure the room is cool, making mm. sure that you're not going to your computer right before you go to bed. Um, taking the TV out of the, the bedroom actually will increase sex drive and increase the frequency of sex. It's in my book. Um, so take technology out of the bedroom if you want to increase what your libido. What if it's porn? <laughs> then, then, then you know what? Then you have it do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so other lifestyle things, I guess. I'm just going to go past that one. And you can totally do porn if you want, but there's actually some interesting thoughts on that because I, I won't go down that pathway right now. We'll talk um, later. Yeah, we'll talk later. But so other nutritional things is like eat good foods like, you know, omega-3 fatty acids, fish oils. Eat. I like the Mediterranean diet, but there's a lot of diets out there that people might really feel best with like the intermittent fasting mm -hmm. there's some women that i like the mediterranean diet that's just for me i can't i can't not eat in the morning it's that's just for me but there's some that like the keto diet or the paleo diet diet and as long as your labs are good and your cholesterol levels are good and stuff then i think then that's fine but that again meeting with your doctor getting the labs done figuring out what your goals are looking at your family history do you have a family history of high cholesterol and oh, that's so that's true it gets there's yeah. a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. <laughs> All right, are we moving on to our last little well, segment yeah, here? Like I we know this one was to talk sex, right? Yeah, for sure. I have a friend, and she calls it getting over the hump. No pun intended, or maybe there is. Forget it. Let's move right <laughs> along. Um, but I'm like, which hump? <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, when, um, no. So, so basically, the the idea is that you know you get in this place, and maybe physiologically you're not feeling that awesome, and emotionally you might not feeling, and you might be even feeling disconnected with your partner. But just trying to once you kind of finally get to the intimate level, you're like glad you did it. But it's getting over that hump. All right. So what you're talking about is. Um, in my book, I have a whole chapter about why is there different, like, sex drives, okay? Why a woman has a different sex drive than a man has a sex drive, okay? And it was, it was um, what was God thinking? What was she thinking, right? Um, <laughs> and, and it has to go with, with women, with menopause, those hormones drop, and they can cause a lot of symptoms. Men, they can have a decrease in testosterone, but it's much less steep. It's less severe of a drop. They have about 10% per decade decrease in testosterone as they age. So they can still be making quite a bit of testosterone. So their sex drive can still stay pretty vigorous um, until 70, 80, whatever it is. Whereas a woman, if it hurts with sex and she's having vaginal bleeding and it's just not fun to, you know, to have sex, it can cause a lot of problems. So the sex drive definitely can change. So that's why I wrote the book about women and sex drive, because I was doing clinical trials mm -hmm. on a medication that has now been FDA approved. But unfortunately, when it first came out, it was um, it's called Addy now. But um, basically, it worked on the hypoactive sexual desire disorder, which means women who had less desire. And it wasn't due to medication. It wasn't due to relationship issues. It wasn't due to anything we could identify. And we then put them on the medication, and it really it really helped with their sex drive. And but what got me to think about it is that there's not a book about that. Like, what are the factors that go into a woman's sex drive? It, stress is huge. Like, what's yeah. the stress level? If she's running around 24-7 with getting her kids at soccer and getting this and that, and you got dinner ready, and then you're working another job, how many jobs do you have? Like, you're a mom, you have this. 
you don't have time to even for yourself. And the last thing you want to do after you cook dinner and do the dishes is that they have sex, right? And he's like sitting there in the chair and you're like, really? <laughs> Are you seriously thinking I want to have sex with you after you like didn't help me at all? Right. And I'm pissed, right? right? And then there's also body image. Your body can change. So you get mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more abdominal, um, let's say, fat distribution in the abdominal area because with less estrogen, it will shift from the hips and the thighs to the abdominal area. So women will start saying their body's changing. Maybe their metabolic rate is also going down because as we age, we don't burn as many calories. So we're putting on a few pounds. Then there's relationship issues. Maybe he made some bad financial decisions or something's going on with something with the family and you just don't have the bandwidth to really be thinking about sex. Once you get warmed up though, mm-hmm. and this is where the arousal phase comes in, mm-hmm. And again, chapter about that. And that is once you kind of get kind of warmed up, then you feel like, oh, you know, this is actually kind of fun. And so the desire kind of comes after the kind of like the arousal. Like if you have a nice romantic dinner, let's say you get taken out and your husband buys you flowers and writes a nice note, but like thinks about you, not just... You have a tequila shot. There is a song about that. Tequila <laughs> makes my clothes come off, right? <laughs> There's a reason why. <laughs> well, alcohol can also be some it's interesting thing too, but... Um, Little things of if men could just help, and there's different aphrodisiacs I have in the book too. Like if men could do the dishes, they help with cleaning, they could make a vacation, they just do little things that Mm -hmm. can make your life easier, Mm -hmm. your sex drive will go up because you're like, oh, he's thinking about me. Oh my God, things are easier. He picked the kids up from school. He made dinner. He did the dishes. He, I mean, just, just little things that if men could just think, and that's why the book's not just for women, it's actually for men too. If they could understand women's brains and what's going on with their ovaries and everything, it really would make for a lot better communication and um, fun times for everybody <laughs> with sex. Yes. Okay, we need to mark like that in the what timestamp that is that we say, men, if you get nothing else, listen to minute whatever yeah, it is in yeah. our podcast. Well, and I think it's so interesting. And read her book. Right. Absolutely. And it's interesting how different men and women are with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if they're just sitting on the couch and we're looking at them going, there's no chance that anything's happening because I'm irritated for all these reasons. Right. And they don't have any idea. They have no idea that that's how you're feeling. So communication is... We had to have a discussion because uh, we would go out to a nice dinner and have a great time, great conversation, have a little wine. And and then, you know, he would go to his office and get on his computer and check email. And so then then you wait around a little bit and then it's like, well, shit, I'm going to go wash my face and brush my teeth. And then now your hair is in a ponytail. and, And I'm like, and he comes in, he's like... No, you lost your window, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, there's time. And that's why yeah. he, he can't go to the emails. Like, yeah. this is the time where now intimacy. So women really right. want intimacy most. Yeah. Men, it's more of a sexual drive in the sense of it's like conquering a mission, let's say. Women, it's really intimacy. Like they want to feel connected. They want to feel understood. They want to feel like they're pampered. They, You know, you want to feel like a queen, like you're being taken care of. And men, they can sometimes rush things too much. Let's so say it's not that much foreplay or they just kind of like wham, bam. And you're like, okay, well, that really wasn't that fun. Right. And this is what is going to, some women just do it just to say, let's just do it because I'm done with it which is not the way we really want to have sex to be. Sex should be more pleasurable. It should be fun. (laughs) It should be something that you do with your partner that connects you, not makes you resentful. So connecting with your partner is important. And I call that the urge to merge. So the urge to actually merge with your partner. That's a good way to put it. I like that. 
But so what about those women that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see, I knew we had a, um, what about those women that you just are not interested in sex and it doesn't matter. It, it's not a relationship issue, but they're just like, you know, I just, I don't want sex anymore. And I know several like that. Yeah. So first you have to say, ask, is it like that on vacation too? Because if they really don't want sex, even when they're on vacation and there's nothing to worry about in the sense of stress that you have at home, then I'd say then they may fit the category of hypoactive sexual desire disorder, in which case then they might think about going on a potential medication that will increase their sex drive and or some testosterone. But that, that's a more complicated thing. But there are some women, like I mentioned in the study, um, that the clinical trial I was doing, in, and it was really amazing because I would ask women like, well... What do you? Well, you don't want sex at all, like nothing. She said, "No, Brad Pitt could walk into the room." Yeah, and wow. I would ask him to babysit. Now, at that time she had small kids, <laughs> but Brad Pitt. I mean, that's yeah, it. And then yeah. You say usually, you could say whoever you yeah. want, but basically, sex was not in, in, at all in the equation, right? So there are some women that really don't have much of a sex drive, and that can be perimenopausal or menopausal, and so that's when we do have some other options there. So that's a great question. But the majority of women I see. Once they get out of the house and they get like yeah. on vacation, that's when you say, are you having that same issue on vacation? And most of the time they say, you know what? Actually, it's a little bit better. I feel less stressed and we have more time together. It also is that spending good intimacy, is intimacy mm-hmm. time. You might be walking on the beach together, you know, doing more mm-hmm. things. He's not on the computer the whole time. You're not mm-hmm. doing dishes. You know, it's just so that's where that question really comes up. Is yeah. what happens on vacation. Well, I have another question. Sorry. I, I, no, obviously, I, obviously I, have, I have all the sex <laughs> questions. We know where Lori's head's at. We need to pipe down here. <laughs> so I have a friend and she has spoken to me. And no, it's not me. You know how we say, I have a friend. I feel no. like Lori's saying I have a friend on a lot of these. Yeah, I have a friend. We have a lot of friends. We have a lot of friends. No, but her issue is she wants to have sex, enjoys it when she has it, but her husband constantly wants it, so she gets feels this pressure, and so it's like, oh my god, I have to have this. And when she doesn't want it, sometimes he gets upset. So it's like this the job. dysfunctional mm-hmm. thing, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. That's something I would say go to a counselor, like okay. a marriage counselor, <laughs> no, because, because that's where that's we have hormone therapy. <laughs> no, because you have different desires, you have different yeah. drives, right? Right. Have, and that's communication too. Like right. if he wants sex that much, maybe he's addicted to porn. I mean. Not that you can have a high sex drive and not have it, but there's sometimes some other mm-hmm. things going on mm-hmm. there. And that's when we have to say, okay, what's the balance that you guys can achieve with both being happy right, as best yeah. as possible? Because there may be times where it might be once a week, it might be twice a week. But if someone says, well, I want it three times a day, so, you know, you're like, but wait that, a minute. Could it be too much testosterone on his end? Well, that's where he can see his doctor and see it's it's unlikely it's too much testosterone on his end. Normally, because I mentioned how about men, their testosterone yeah. will decrease about 10% per decade. But there are some men that have just a very high sex drive. And then that has to be with then what what do you want? What does the wife want or a partner want with regard to how much sex? And sometimes it's, it's why is the drive so high in him? Like, you know, is there something else going on in the mm-hmm. sense of is it a power thing? Is it, you know, what is the dynamics of the relationship? Because I think once she feels less stress, 
that might be more more likely for her to like initiate because she might be less pressure. But I also have the opposite where some women want sex and the men don't want any sex because partially – I know you're going like, well, that doesn't happen. No, I do have some when the, the men just lose desire and that might be because they have hypertension, diabetic, they're on medication, they have erectile dysfunction, they don't want to see the doctor because they're embarrassed to get on medication – or there's different things that happen. So it goes both ways, but the majority of the time is it's a female not as wanting as much as the male. But if the, again, if a partner could do things to help the woman with daily life and make life easier and little notes like, I love you, you look fantastic, I mean, I love your body, yeah. whatever, things that, little things, not buying a vacuum for her birthday, right. <laughs> but <laughs> finding things that really make her happy right. and hit her heart. That, that you know, mm-hmm. like he actually took the time to write this little card and put it on my bathroom mirror or mm-hmm. on my um, on the refrigerator or did something that was really knowing that he took the time and he was thinking about you. That's what is increases intimacy and improves relationships. And do you feel like that could go both ways? Like if, if you want that, then you should give that. Yes. I mean, there's some right? women that, you and know, do those things right. for and, your husband. Yeah. I mean, some men, it depends on how much they want, but there are some men that really want a lot more communication or, you know, kind of saying you're doing a great job. I really thanks so much that you work so hard at your job. You know, you're financially a great provider. But um, yeah, it can definitely go both ways because if uh, some women that they get so focused on the kids and their work, they could have Mm. multiple jobs they're working on and then the kids. And it's just like the husband may not be like in that whole equation. And the husband feels like, well, I'm kind of not even in this chapter. I mean, I'm not even in the room right now. You know, you've got all these other things on your plate and I'm kind of left out. And that's where communication comes in. Like maybe once a week go for a dinner or have a night out where you just can just talk or go walk on the beach. Have a time to reconnect and say, hey, how are we doing? Counseling can help with this too because sometimes it gets so far apart that you have two ships kind of sailing in the night. And they have now the kids are at college and it's empty nest. Maybe the woman now is in menopause and he wants sex and she doesn't want it because of various things. And then we say, okay, how can we get this potentially back to a better balance. And that's where I have a lot of therapists I work with too that I give names out to because it's really important to have better communication skills because before the, all the attention's to the kids, right? Yeah. yeah. And getting into school and then then comes college and then you're like, okay, wait, they're done. We're, and then they moved on. It could be even high school time, but you know, and you're like, what happened to, what happened to us? And that right. could be kind of a scary situation. Mm-hmm. Now it can get back together, but it depends on both you know, both partners to, to say, okay, what do we want? Because we have X amount of years still in our life. We have good, we can have a great life if we want to. How are we going to make that happen? Yeah, an effort on both sides mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Do you think that women put too much emphasis on? Oh, I don't, I don't look good. He won't find me attractive. When I think men. That's not what they're yeah. thinking, right? I mean, right. I don't know. Do you find that? In yeah, your I think that women tend to really think too much of like that cosmopolitan. They have to be a size two and they have to be perfect and they have to just, you know, men, they just want you to be happy and they're mm-hmm. happy with your body. I mean, really, right. most men will say, I don't care if you've gained 10 pounds. I just love your body. I love you for you and your body, right? right? And women will obsess oh, I have that, you know, the thighs, got a little cellulite. I don't look perfect in this outfit. And so we kind of get down on ourselves. And there's a chapter on self-esteem. 
also in the mm-hmm. book, like if you don't have good self-esteem, you're not going to really want to be having sex too, because you just don't feel good about your body. And that's where you can have a woman who's maybe 30 pounds overweight, but she just has her little groove going, you know, and she walks into a oh, room yeah. and she just is like, you want to you know, meet me. Yeah. I am just, I got it going, girlfriend, you know? And you're like, wow, what does she have? She's got confidence. Mm-hmm. She's got that kind of I don't know what you call it, so voix or whatever, you know, and basically she's got a zest, you know, and so we need to get that back and say that we deserve to live the best life we can. And that's why at 40, 50, 60, 70, I mean, I have women in their 80s and they're still having sex with their partner and the guy's happy, she's happy, you know. I love that. I love that. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. Go, Granny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Hobby. This has been amazing. We've learned a ton. Yes. We all need to figure out our own hormones because we're all different. Correct. But um, tell us where we can find you. So we know the website. Yes. Yeah, so I have two websites. One is my drdianahoppy.com. So D-R-D-I-A-N-A-H-O-P-P-E.com. But I've been posting a lot more on my amazingover40.com. So that's amazingover40.com. And if you go to the blogs, you can follow me there. You can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook. So I put posts three times a week. And I have inspirational quotes. I talk about hormones. This um, blog that's going to be tomorrow's blog is is having a karmic cleanse. Because sometimes you just get kind of this funk where you're just kind of mm-hmm. pissy and irritable. And you're just like, what's wrong with me? And you just need like a jolt. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote about that and how, what are five tips to kind of get a karmic cleanse to like just snap out of it. So it's a really good blog. So I, I encourage everyone to go to that. And I will be um, having a hormone, happy hormone coaching, one-to-one coaching coaching in my practice. So if you go to the Amazing Over 40 site, it'll also show you about that. So I have a special, especially for the listeners on this podcast, I'm going to have a free gift for everyone who mentions that this, they heard me through this and they're going to get something special. Ooh, we can't wait to see what that gift is. I think we're all going to need some happy hormone coaching. I know know. I'm going to sign up for that. I know I do. And Dr. Hoppy, what is your Instagram? So it's amazing over 40. That's your Instagram as well. Okay, perfect. So we are going to be able to find you. So thank you so much. This has been so much fun. My pleasure. It's been a such a great pleasure meeting you and hearing everything you have to say. I think our friends are going to be They're really, going to dig it. They're going to okay, dig it. Okay, so I'm not going to say goodbye just yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. What are we, we going to do? We got so excited. I need to kind of do the intro. Lo has a very special thing for you. Yes. So, I put a lot of thought in this and I actually had a, I, I, I kind of got a little silly behind my laptop because there was, there's some funny things out there. So um, I got five Random questions, blind questions. So let's see how you do here. All righty. <laughs> okay. Funniest or strangest nickname you have heard for lady parts? Oh, geez. Well, Come on. Someone's got to walk in your office well, and say- Well, JJ, I mean, that's not that bad, but- um, Like my kitty or my- <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't like the People word- People told you my, like my, word. Pussy, my hood, my hoo-ha. <laughs> my hoo-ha, my JJ, my- they, they mix up the parts all the time. So they don't know the vagina versus the vulva. So that's a whole other topic okay, we can talk about. Okay, okay, fair enough. The, the anatomy, the female anatomy. Okay. Men would like that one too. They need to understand that too. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Besides a Believe bro- me, they need to understand that anatomy. <laughs> yes, they do. Okay. <laughs> and I do this, so that's why I'm giggling. Your thoughts on why we always hide our undies after we undress to get into our gowns? 
Have you noticed that we all do that? Into our gowns? Yeah, you know when you get in an exam? Oh! And, oh. oh. So, oh. I don't know. I was like, how do you notice that? are we talking about? <laughs> Wait, so sorry about that. I, I had different visions of what gown we were talking about. <laughs> no, but do you know what I'm talking about? How we all do that? Like, we fold our clothes up. I thought you going to, like, a ball, and you have your black gown yeah. on, and you're hiding your undies. I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. Because, I know. Yeah, I mean, you never know what can happen. But, um, so... Because some women, they're just very neat. And I think some women don't, this discharge is normal. So to have something on the underwear, like some discharge, yeah. is totally normal. So if you might be embarrassed about that, it's nothing to be embarrassed okay, about. Because I, I do. I always tuck them in. <laughs> Anyways, I found that online. That's one of the one of the most common things women do when that, we're at the gyno. Is yeah. they, they, t- they hide their undies. Yeah, awesome. you know what? It's maybe the most intimate piece of clothing you have, and it's a reflection of your maybe you're shy or nervous or embarrassed, and so putting them away is symbolizing what you're feeling at that moment, maybe. Yeah, and also I don't think we talked wow, that, that much. Was, that, was, <laughs> that was really Who knew? Who's the doctor now? <laughs> it was great. It's vulnerability. It's vulnerability, yeah. which is exactly what you touched on. So. Okay, but has anyone just had them laying out yes. in any exam? Yes, yeah, some, some women just don't care seem less. to care. And it's just okay. them on the floor? Well, well they're kind of like on the chair, but they're kind of like with the, the shirts on top of that. They're not folded neatly underneath yeah, a secret yeah, yeah. little spot. They are whatever. And so I think Oh my gosh, it's um, like you could tell people's personalities. Yeah, you could tell a lot about personalities and how they fold the clothes. If they like, are they obsessive compulsive? Are they triple A personality type? (laughs) Like, I'm a triple A personality type. They say you're type A. I said, no, I'm triple A. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last one. Funniest or most inappropriate song you find yourself humming. Or playing in your head during an exam. During someone's exam? Yeah. Like, do you ever find yourself like, like Calvin Harris, I feel so close to you right now? Or, or. You see, you might not, but Lori, no, she, she wasn't. I tend to be like still talking to my patient during the exam. Okay. So I say like what we're going to be doing. Um, say the spec. Yeah, you know, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but basically, I discuss what we're doing during the exam. So I can't really be humming a song. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> because that would not really flow that well. But I think one of the songs I think is a it's an interesting song when you it's that Rick James that freaky uh, super freak. Yeah, I mean yeah. when you look at the the lyrics of that song, if you actually listen to it, it's like, I don't want to get too into it. But, well, he says, I really like to taste her every time we meet. Yes, he does. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And when you never heard that? It could say, well, maybe that means kissing, but it could mean different Different things. things. So it could be oral sex. So, which is, I think, what he's really referring to. But Mm -hmm. if you listen to that song, that super freak, she's a super freak. It's it's an interesting song. And I think uh, when it came out, what, 20 some years ago? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's on par for her. (laughs) (laughs) We have a fun gift for you yeah. after the show. We actually do. A Rick James CD? No. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got for you. You passed with flying colors. Follow us on Instagram at She's a 10 times 5 and click on the link on our bio to listen. You can also listen to She's a 10 times 5 on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.